This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are Canada's number one mobile tech and app radio show. We have a great program for you today. Uh, we will uh, be chatting about Apple's iPhone self-service repair kit. This is something we have uh, spoken about a little bit on the program, but uh, there's a, a few new developments. Yes. You can actually rent the, the, the equipment, the tools. So they'll sell you a kit, but you need special tools <laughs> to actually use it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and presumably special training, but we'll get into that. Yeah. I'm still, I, I would never want to open up my own iPhone. Yeah. It sounds like a suicide mission to me. Uh, we'll be talking about Alexa. Sorry, I said it. Uh, they have uh, a new cool skill that allows you to check your, your symptoms to see what uh, might be wrong with you. Great. <laughs> I can tell you what's wrong with, with me, so I don't know if I need uh, her to help. Uh, and so much more. Let's get into some of the mobile news, John. Uh, some interesting stuff happening. I don't know if you read about that app that university uh, researchers have, uh, have developed that uh, can actually scan for potential signs of ADHD, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, a number of neurological uh, conditions. And it scans your eye. Yeah, it actually checks the pupil because apparently that is uh, a potential indicator of some of these issues. When I get my eyes tested for my glasses, that's yeah. what they always tell me is get the test regularly because that is the early, it's the canary in the coal mine, if you will, Yeah, for a lot of things. So if, if your eye doctor is like checking your eyes out and there's a lot of silence and <laughs> nervousness... <laughs> And they start using their smart assistant. To- <laughs> yeah, you're, you're headed down a, a tough road, uh, so to speak. Um, <laughs> uh, also in the, uh, the app news, uh, John, Fitbits. They're hot. Too hot, a lawsuit says. Uh, I guess some people are having issues with them catching fire. Yeah, there, there was actually uh, like a specific problem with one of the models that they recalled. They recalled like tens of thousands of them. Yeah. And um, it sounds like it's not limited to that one particular model. So this is a, um, is this a class action suit? I, I don't think it is yet. No. So the lawsuit says Fitbits are supposed to help customers burn calories, not their skin. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great tagline. Yeah. Got to see the law firm that came up with that one. That's good, good marketing people. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say how prevalent this issue is. Yeah. Yeah. Like they did recall, I think, how many did they recall? Like 1.7 million? Well, it was that many. I of, couldn't, I couldn't of the, remember. Of the Fitbit uh, Ionic smartwatches. Uh, 78 reports of burn injuries in the U.S., uh, including two reports of third degree burns and four reports of second degree burns. So, uh, you know, that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a Fitbit Ionic. Stop con- it. <laughs> yeah. Contact Fitbit uh, to get some advice on uh, what to do with uh, that. Uh, Instagram, they're testing a new TikTok, like full screen feed. So TikTok is a really successful app. Uh, again, if you're listening to this program, you might not have loaded this on your phone yet, but I know, John, like you were addicted to it. Well, but it's, it's, I mean, it started off for younger folks. Did it? Did it? I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm addicted to it now. It's essentially just 
bite-sized videos and you just scroll through them on your phone. It's the perfect thing to do when you're just like waking up or just when you're going to bed and you're just laying in bed and you want to do nothing that requires any brain power. Yeah. So you just scroll on your phone. But the content's interesting. Like the, the algorithm on that thing is like crazy. You, If you express any interest in a topic, you linger any moment longer on a certain video. Or I'm getting you, turtle videos all the time, John. Like, cause think, you, you looked at a turtle video for more than a second. I know. Like, I think turtles are okay, but <laughs> like, I, I, I can't, I can't take anymore. Well, the, the nice thing is, is it's really easy to change the algorithm. Just look at something else. Just go into the search and just say, I don't want turtles anymore. I want giraffes and you'll get giraffe videos. Well, then I'm going to get a bunch of giraffe videos. Anyway, uh, they've got over 2 billion active users. Yeah. So it is blown up around the world. Uh, Instagram is looking to, I guess, to kind of copy that. Well, that's really what they did with Reels. And then now they're actually trying to change the interface so it's a little bit more like TikTok. And it's kind of funny how these companies just play leapfrog with their feature sets. Yeah. Right? But do you think Instagram can catch up with them? Like, it's TikTok's a machine now. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, the problem that Instagram has is that they're owned by Meta also known as Facebook. Yeah. And there's lots of people that don't like Facebook. No. No, it's true. So, although there's lots of people that don't like China either, which is where TikTok is from. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens if the elections go a certain way, like in a couple of years down in the U.S. Because remember Trump uh, wanted to shut it down here in the U.S.? Well, Microsoft was being forced almost to buy it. Yeah. It was crazy. So if someone... Trump-like or Trump gets in again, are they going to go after them again? Yeah. But the thing is, like, what, what's the national security breach that we're worried about here? Uh, my little dancing in my bedroom videos? Not that I do that, but that's what a lot of people do on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, it comes down to where all the data is going, right? And yeah, and what people are watching. If, if the data is going over to foreign servers. It's the internet. Assume it's going everywhere. I know. Like, I this is what I don't understand about politicians. They don't understand how the internet works. No, I've, I've seen those congressional hearings. It's painful. It Well, actually, it's an entertaining. <laughs> it, it really is. It's a real-life SNL sketch. It, it truly is because they, I'm sorry, they just, most of them don't have a clue how this stuff works. They don't even have a phone, it seems. Yeah. Uh, Amazon, Kindle, that was kind of the, uh, the first e big ebook reader out there still still a behemoth behemoth they're uh looking at potentially allowing other books into their kindles because they have their own proprietary format yes like the dot moby format that's right and epub is sort of the the i, I guess you'd call it a standard yes for every, that, other, every other one yeah yeah it's kind of like the android of yeah yeah but the books the, the interesting thing is they're kind of supporting it but yeah they're kind of not they're not directly supporting it you still have to basically go through their server and it will convert it from epub to their mobi format why, why don't they just build it natively i don't know do you know what i mean like all I, that but i don't even like i i still use my kindle yeah and i don't use the kindle software i get epubs and other stuff from everywhere else and i use um uh, an app uh what is it called i cannot remember what it's called but I mean, there are apps out there. Yeah, yeah. The app will convert anything. Like the nice thing is like I have a lot of um, manuals for my synthesizer stuff 
and yeah. I, they're all PDFs. And I'm like, I don't want to have to carry those and print them out and all that kind of stuff. So I just put them all on my Kindle. But the Kindle, will it take the PDFs? With this app. Okay. I think it's Calibre. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know I have that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's great because you can put almost any text format into it. Do you have a Kindle? Yeah. Do you use it? Yeah. Hmm. Like, I want to use an ebook reader. Like, I keep getting the new ones all the time. Right. And then I just don't use them. Well, because you're using your giant iPad Pro to watch movies instead. Yeah. I don't watch movies. No, I got to read. you do. Yeah, I got to read more. Do you remember when your parents were upset because you read too much? (laughs) Go outside. And then it was the TV, right? I, I never had that problem with my no? parents. No, no, no. And now, you know, they wish you would watch more TV instead of <laughs> glued to like a PlayStation game or, or... Or your iPhone. Or your iPhone. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy times. Okay. You are listening to The App Show right now. We've got a lot more to talk about on today's program. We'll uh, be chatting more about self-service repair kits for iPhones. You can fix your own iPhone for better or for worse. But do you want to? Do you want to? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're also going to talk about our favorite uh, Amazon voice assistant. You can actually get uh, her to help check your symptoms if you're not feeling well. And maybe she can help you get down the right path to, to get the help you need or feeling better. Or, or maybe not. Is she going to get, get you the help you need, Mike? I, <laughs> I need a lot of help. You are listening to The App Show with Mike and John. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Still lots to talk about on the app show. Uh, Later on, uh, we will uh, be talking about cryptocurrency and where to store it. Cold storage to keep it safe. So it's not like a self-storage unit out in Surrey? No, it's like a little USB stick instead of having it out in the, the blockchain cloud. I don't, is the blockchain in the cloud? I don't even, I don't even know, John. (laughs) <laughs> it's somewhere out there. Uh, and uh, we will also be talking about uh, getting your favorite voice assistant to check your symptoms if you're not feeling well. There's a, a skill for that now. We're going to talk about uh, self-repairing your iPhones now, which I'm sorry, I always laugh when I say that because I just can't imagine myself fixing my iPhone. I, I think we should do a video of you fixing an iPhone because oh, it would yeah, be entertaining. Yeah, no, it would not. I would wreck a $1,000 phone Yeah, like easily. You know, a lot of people have been asking for this, right? Because I think a lot of people wanted their own right to repair their own stuff, not have to go to the manufacturer directly. Well, right to repair is a huge deal uh, everywhere, but specifically in the United States, because there's actually laws about the ability to fix your own things. And also the concern has always been that you're not able to source the original parts from Apple to repair your stuff. That's right. So they... I guess late last year they said, Hey, we're going to make repair guides. We're going to make the parts available. You're going to be able to do that all yourself. The reality is, and we've talked about this fairly recently is that the price of the parts is pretty close to what you would actually pay Apple to do the job yourself themselves. So why would you still want to do this? I'll tell you why. Okay. Education. Sure. (laughs) So, I'm going to learn how to brick my iPhone. Well, and this isn't for someone that's a, that's afraid of doing it. Yeah. This is someone that, like myself, who's a maker and a DIY person. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting process to see. And I took a look at Apple's website, and they have quite a lot of different 
specialty tools, we'll call them. For yeah, because you need special tools to open yeah. these things up because they're all sealed specially. Yeah, you're not getting a butter knife and crank, cranking it well, open. Well, see, that's what I would do. I know you would. Yeah. I've seen you on just open packages. So. <laughs> I've used butter knives to open packages. You have. And that would be the same knife I'd use to open my iPhone. Yeah. So what they've done is they actually have a pretty big catalog in the U.S. of all the parts you need to fix your devices, but also all the tools you need to do it. And you can purchase them from Apple. And some of them How much are, are they? Some of them are really expensive. Well, I imagine, yeah. There's a special like crazy press thing that you use that you put your phone in there. Yeah. And it it's, it's, it's kind of like a panini maker for your iPhone. Yeah. Because it squishes your battery and your the screen and all that stuff together when it's all glued <laughs> yeah. in place. Yeah. I, you it, know, it's like 550 bucks, I think. So, yeah. Who's going to buy that unless you've got like a, well, a repair shop going? Exactly. But Apple has made that hardware available to rent. John, by the time you buy the parts and rent this, like, are uh, you? Uh, I don't know if, if it's just Apple's like laughing. <laughs> 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 Let's just do this and see what happens because it's, it's so ridiculous almost because you're right to rent some of this equipment. Yeah. You literally, it's, it's 50 bucks for uh, $50 US for uh, a one week rental. Okay. And someone did this in, in, in the States recently and they got two giant Pelican cases full of equipment. Okay, so these aren't small. No, no, these no. are these are these are quite big things. Yeah. these are like desktop uh, machines that you would use to to do the things like I said, like compressing all the parts together, but also to properly apply the screen in a level circumstance, right? Because the thing is, if you do it and it's not level, you're going to have like a corner that's misaligned. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. But it just points out the whole kind of craziness of some of this stuff and how complicated it is to do this type of work like you and i we've been in a mobile repair clinic place yes and and saw them fix a phone yeah and it's crazy what they have to i do. know i am like in awe yeah that they can actually do this and get it together right like you know remember we went over to china back a few years yes. ago i brought a bunch of broken phones and thank god i did i saved so much money yeah because i had a broken iphone 10 plus yeah that you dropped that i dropped and <laughs> it's a glass front, but now they also have glass backs, right? And so for Apple to repair it was $1,100. Yeah, you must have just buy a new one. Yeah. Or an older one. Yeah. And so in when we went to Shenzhen, which is just outside of Hong Kong, I went to one of the local repair shops there. And to fix both sides, $150. And he did it in like 20 minutes. Yes. It was insane. It, totally. Yeah. So... I, I do think there should be more competition. I think there should be, I think there should be certified centers. Like I think Apple should have, you know, a certification and they do. They do. Yeah, they do. Um, but again, the whole <laughs> fixing the, these things yourself at home, I'm still, the jury's out for me on, on that. And then can you just imagine what it takes at Apple to put that all together? Like the, the hundreds of people that they'd have to hire to make that program all work. Like someone's got to manage it all, manage it all. Someone's got to put those Pelican boxes in and out. Yeah. No, but it, it, it does sort of, it answers the question or, or, or addresses the problem of not having the, the ability to do it yourself. The, the real question is why would you do it yourself? Yeah. Unless you're really interested in how these things work, you're interested. And I said, education as a maker or a DIYer, 
it's kind of interesting to see how these tools work. So you can either uh, use them yourself or understand how the process works. And maybe that's a line of work that you want to get into as totally. well. Right. So I think it's great from that aspect, but the reality is, is the average person is still going to go somewhere and get it fixed. And it seems like it's just the, about the same price to go to Apple to do it. Yeah. There is definitely some repair centers that are cheaper, but they're probably not using the official Apple components because Apple has basically said that the pricing is pretty similar. Yeah, I, I just, I guess for myself, I just feel more comfortable going to Apple to get something fixed because you know that they have all the right tools. They have all the original pieces as well. Well, and if something goes wrong. Yeah, then it's on them. Right. And they're not, gonna- not the cart in the strip mall the, the weird kiosk yeah that might not be there in like a week or two like you don't have much recourse so yeah, yeah i always recommend going back to the manufacturer when possible if you want to try to save money just try to go to one of these repair places that you know been around for a while as well just so that you do have recourse yeah essentially we still got some more stuff to talk about here on the app show including using your digital assistant to help uh, go through maybe some of the symptoms you have. I think uh, a lot of us have uh, been concerned about COVID still. It seems to be bubbling up again. Uh, colds, so many other things. Well, your digital assistant could potentially help uh, figure out what's wrong with you. We'll uh, give you the lowdown on that. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. The program, Mike and John here. A lot of us have digital assistants in the home. Amazon has their Echo devices. Uh, Google has uh, Google Home of course, there's uh, Siri uh, as well. Well, Amazon's uh, digital assistant, I'll say her name once, Alexa, uh, now has a, a new trick up her sleeves. Uh, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, we actually just tried this. And it's basically what you do is you, you ask her to check your symptoms. And if you're sick or have pain. Yeah, it's, it's a symptom checker. It can apparently handle about 70 sort of common ailments, I guess. Yeah. And it sort of walks you through a tree of questions. Mostly yes or no questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you have a sore throat? Do you have inflamed lymph nodes? Those types of questions. And you can skip answering the questions at any time. But ultimately, what it does is it'll try to diagnose it. And it does say a number of times while you're doing this, this is not meant to be a replacement for medical advice. No. But I, I've been reading up on it, John. Uh, CNN actually put it through its paces uh, as well. Uh, and uh, a lot of the people that are reviewing it say that it's pretty good for common ailments, right? Like a cold, flu, even COVID-19. Well, that's always the, the problem with sometimes, like, you feel sick. You don't know what kind of sick. Yeah. And it's a very similar kind of sick, right? Yes. So having a system like this to sort of, sort of probe those questions without having to, like, Google it all the time... Yeah, uh, can be very helpful. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, there's much more serious and complicated issues you could be having. Uh, I guess when it gets into that territory, you know, obviously, you want to consult your doctor. No question, right? <laughs> yeah, your smart assistant's not your first choice. <laughs> no, no. no. Um, but, you know, they give you 10 different potential things that could be wrong with you. And from what I've been reading from the people that I've been testing so far, they say it's pretty darn accurate with the simple ones. And it's not bad on some of the more serious conditions. You know, out of those 10 responses, they're, you know, typically, uh, from what I've been reading, you know, the, the issue is mostly in the top three, which is not bad. Well, yeah, that's because basically a lot of times people don't really understand what they have. They understand what's wrong. Yeah. 
And then a system like this, unlike Google search, can actually help you uh, sort of drill into that. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, especially during the COVID-19 times, I was on Google all the time. You know what I mean? Like I have one cough or sniffle and I'm like Googling. But it, I didn't always get, it was hard to get the answers that I, I wanted or or have the confidence in the answers I was getting. Right, because you didn't know specifics about what what all these sort of things add up to equal. Yeah. Right? It's hard to put that in a Google search. Yeah. So uh, again, this works with uh, most of the Amazon Echo devices. Uh, it, it is better if you've got the one one of them with the screens like the Echo shows. Yeah. Uh, then you can get more of a visual representation of, uh, you know, the questions and, and, and what's going on. But again, it'll work completely audio. We did that yeah, with we, the Alexa app on your smartphone. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So you don't even have to have one of those devices. You just download the Alexa yeah. app. Sorry, I said it again. You said it like three times. I know. <laughs> Irritating everyone um, at, at home. Uh, down in the U.S., uh, apparently it's even tied into like a, a telehealth uh, company as well. So if you wanted to get more information, you can actually dial up a doctor or yeah. nurse. Yeah. And you can actually have a video call right on your on your device. Which I think is, is kind of cool. But I mean, would you would you feel comfortable getting diagnosed by your digital assistant? Well, it's one of those things like... She does ask you a couple of personal questions first. Yeah. So like how old you are, your sex and that, that type of thing. All those types of things. Yeah. And then you're basically answering some, you know, medical questions to a device in the cloud. Yeah. So you have to be comfortable with that and giving uh, Amazon that information. Yes. So this isn't a skill that you have to install either. This is something that's just part of. And how, how do you ask again? Just um, you say her name yeah. and um, check my symptoms. Yeah. And it just it's instant. It just comes up right away. And it's easy to yeah. go through. Yeah. No, we just did it in like five minutes with my fake leg pain. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you you said you had a sore throat and your leg hurt. Yeah. I, I think that might have threw her down some well, bad I was, alleyways. I was trying to throw her off a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah. But it wasn't too bad. No, no. No. It was surprisingly good. And then, then at the end, it does give you some, uh, I think, useful information about what you might have. Yeah, it'll actually go through them one by one. And she asks you if you want more information about that. Yes. So that can be helpful, especially if you're trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Yeah. But we couldn't figure out what's wrong with you. No, well, my leg is clearly in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I just love technology. I think it's another useful tool. Uh, I could see how this might be even more helpful than just kind of trying to go through WebMD you know, online. Cause again, I've tried that so many times and it's just like a rabbit hole. Well, it is. And like we were saying, the problem all the time with almost any kind of search, not just medical searches is you don't know the right terms and, and, uh, syntax for yeah. th these types of things. So having it hold your hand and saying, Hey, could it be this? Could it be that? And you can sort of answer more leading questions that take you down those paths. And I just want to clarify to all the medical professionals that are listening right now, we're not condoning using Amazon as your doctor. <laughs> no. No, but this is just kind of a tool maybe to... See if you should go see a doctor. Exactly. Give you a little bit of peace of mind. As always, if there's something wrong with you and you know, you're not comfortable, check in with a doctor. But uh, it is another useful tool. And again, it's available on the Amazon Echo platforms, uh, the audio versions and the ones with the screens. And you can just download the app too. Yeah, for free. For free. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about cold storage, how to keep your crypto safe, your Bitcoins, your Ethereum. Stay tuned.
You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Going to talk crypto. I mean, we keep hearing about cryptocurrencies. A lot of us have some now, Bitcoin and Ethereum. I've got some now, John. Yes, you do. I'm a crypto guy. <laughs> and can I just tell you, when I bought it, it just tanked. Yes, it did. <laughs> On the line, we've got uh, our uh, regular contributor, Gray Williams. Thanks for joining us, Gray. Always glad to be here. You are a crypto nerd. That's why I'm, I have you on, on the program. You can hopefully demystify a few things for us. And what I wanted to talk about today is like how to safely store your crypto, like where you're buying it and where it's being stored. So, Gray, maybe you can walk us through that, uh, essentially, where people would buy like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and then we'll talk about where that's kept. For sure. So the two, ma- two main places where people will purchase crypto is usually going to be either a centralized exchange or a decentralized exchange. Um, now, a centralized exchange usually will have an on-ramp into it, so some way of getting your regular Canadian dollars into that system. Um, there are a number of companies that can do this here in Canada. Newton is one, ShakePay is another, uh, Crypto.com is a third. And so essentially, you will set up an account with them. Uh, you'll send an e-transfer to yourself. You'll get your cash in there, and then um, you can go and purchase your uh, cryptocurrency from them. It's a centralized exchange because you're purchasing it from that entity. Uh, decentralized exchanges work, work a little bit differently. Typically, they actually use cryptocurrencies as transactions, so you'd have to have some to get some, which is where some of those centralized exchanges come in. Um, and basically, you are trading you know, with other people who are looking to sell their crypto. So you can, uh, sort of the same way that you would um, either purchase you know, currency um, here on, on the foreign, um, foreign market, or if you're purchasing stocks, you can set limit orders and, uh, and, and buys at certain prices. And so you can go through and purchase your crypto that way. So when you're buying crypto, like Bitcoin, for example, on one of these exchanges, uh, we'll use crypto.com for example, where, where is it? Where is it being stored? Where, where is, so, so cryptocurrency is always on the blockchain. Okay. Right. And so that's, this is, I think, one of the things that folks have a, a tough time wrapping their head around is it does not leave the blockchain. Um, what it does do is it actually moves from address to address there. So you can basically say that I own this particular digital asset. Um, and so it's going to be, you know, if you're purchasing it from a centralized exchange, they will have a wallet address that holds their cryptocurrency. Typically, they also have a cold storage uh, address where basically they're keeping things sort of super safe and uh, away from constant transactions. Um, and so they'll, when you go to purchase it from them, they will transfer it from their wallet address to your wallet address. So you now have that cryptocurrency to do with what you please. And how safe are these, uh, these exchanges? Because all the time we're reading that they're getting hacked and in a big way, like millions, if not tens of millions, or even sometimes hundreds of millions. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, looking at centralized exchanges, personally, I, I use them for, um, you know, getting cryptocurrency in and out of the system. But as soon as I actually have the crypto that I want, I transfer it back to my own wallet. Um, you know, we have seen that there have been a number of security issues over the course of the last 10 years, and some of which have been just absolutely you know, jaw-dropping. So the, one of the things that we say here is, you know, not your keys, not your coin. And so the wallet address, if you're using a crypto.com, um, the regular app, um, or if you're using any other centralized exchange app, they hold the keys to that wallet. So therefore, it's not really yours. Basically, you have a user account that says that it's yours, um, but you don't really have ownership ownership of that. With uh, your own wallet or um, you know a, uh, a custodial wallet, something that you have uh, custody of, basically, you have those keys. That, if cryptocurrency is in that wallet, 
you own it. So your own wallet is typically a hardware device, like a like a USB key type device. Well, the, the, the wallet actually is an address on the blockchain, but these, um, you know, cold storage devices or, uh, or um, wallet devices basically are giving you a layer of security between you and anyone that might want to transact on that cryptocurrency. So basically, it's almost acting like a gatekeeper between things that, that would be uh, transacted on your cryptocurrency uh, address. So there are a number of these out there. Basically, what they do is they have a, uh, a security key that stands in between somebody taking that device and using it. Um, and anytime that you go to um, send cryptocurrency or spend it, um, it, you have to approve it right on that device. And it will approve it. It says, yes, we're good to go. That would then, then it sends to the blockchain. The blockchain then goes and executes that task for you. So it, the, the crypto is not being stored on there necessarily, but the keys are. The keys are now, here's the thing. The keys are typically going to be a recovery phrase that you'll set up when you set up that device for the first time. And so those keys are on that device. Um, if that device gets lost, first thing that you want to do is basically now get another one of these devices, use those keywords to get your, your um, access to your cryptocurrency back, and then transfer it out of those wallets just in case that, that device has been compromised. Um, so yeah, they're basically there's nothing actually on that device you input your keys um, but those could be basically be removed or revoked um, and put onto another device or you can have them on multiple devices if you want to that's not a terribly safe thing because we're looking for sort of you know not multiple points of failure here so having multiple wallets out there is probably not the safest thing a backup is good but you know um, multiple is not great do you have one of these john not yet i don't quite have enough to justify the price yeah because these things are, you know, they start at about 100 bucks. Yes. I, I bought one of those Ledgers. Yeah. Ledger Nano S. Yes. And so it's like a USB stick. Yeah. It's like a USB stick and it's got a little tiny screen on it. Yeah. And some buttons that you can, and, and Gray, I've been playing around with this thing. It is a pain in the butt to enter the, <laughs> I've got like a six digit code on there and yep. I, I got to hit the buttons, you know. What, what what's your code? Well, I, I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd try. It's not one two three four. I'll, I'll give you that much, <laughs> essentially. But so uh, I mean, having one of these gray, especially if you're going to get into like the thousands of dollars worth of of um, currency, is it's essentially another safety mechanism to keep it safe. That's right. You know, right now when you take a look at the um, the fiat system, you know, where most of our Canadian dollars are, the banks have put in protections to keep these things, keep bad things from happening to you. When you're dealing with crypto or decentralized finance, you're in charge of that. So you're in charge of your own security. Uh, there is risk there. And so you can mitigate risk um, by having protections like this that should help out and uh, should be able to keep things a little bit more safe. Great. Can we, let's talk about that for a second, because when you get a wallet, whether it's online or offline, you do have to create this passphrase and that's mm -hmm. essentially the keys to your kingdom in the crypto space. Yeah. And if you're storing that stuff in the cloud on a piece of paper on your desk, those are the, the passwords you're saying, right? Like those yeah. are the, the secret keys that you need to protect if they're in the cloud and your cloud gets compromised, then your keys are compromised. Yeah. And there is no, there is no password recovery for that. Right. You lose it, it's gone. And we've heard stories about people losing tens of millions, millions. of dollars. Yes. That because they forgot their passwords. It kind of freaks me out. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because some folks out there have been taking pictures of their, their passphrases. But, right. And then basically these are uploaded to cloud storage systems. Yeah. Um, the, the fascinating thing there is if that cloud storage is hacked, 
Um, they're actually even using uh, image recognition now, hackers are, to find those passphrases and automatically enter them into wallets to see if they can drain whatever they can. Um, it's a pretty sophisticated operation. So it's something, you know, basically a little bit more secure than that. Some folks are actually engraving them onto metal and then putting the passphrases into their safety deposit box. So uh, some really interesting ways of handling it. So, yeah, don't take a picture of it. Actually put a copy of it in a safety deposit box is probably yeah. one of the, the better better ways to, to go. A handwritten it. copy. A handwritten copy, yeah. We're talking about cold storage for your cryptocurrencies. I know there's so much to know and learn about this. We're going to continue to do segments on it so that uh, we can all get a little more educated. I'm still trying to figure it out, John. Like, I bought one of these Ledger wallets, and it's not the easiest thing to figure out. No. No. No, but do you feel safer? No, <laughs> I don't. Now I'm like paranoid all the time. Oh, God, where did I put that piece of paper with all the passwords? And where's your key? Where, where's the ledger? Well, I can't. I don't know. It's somewhere. It's somewhere in my house. In a drawer full of USB keys. Oh, my God. I'm going to lose all my money. Okay. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the app show. Mike and John here. Just a little bit of time left. I've, I've been really uh, trying that uh, Be Real app out. It's been fun, actually. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stupid apps out there. Make no mistake. And, you know, you try them once and you never use them again. But this is kind of a, a social app that uses your camera. And you connect with a bunch of friends. You, you invite them to participate in this. And then every day, at some point, randomly, it will send out a little request. You'll get a notification that pops up in your phone. And you've got two minutes to take a picture of whatever you're doing. The interesting thing is that if you don't, uh, and the timer runs out, you can't look at any of your friends' photos until you actually do participate. Ah. So, I mean, you... So you can't take a late photo. You can take a late photo. Yeah. But you're also the last person to the party. Yeah, you're a loser. Yeah. So but there's that peer pressure to A little, little bit, photo. yeah. But it, the, the interesting thing that we, 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 we just touched on before is that it uses the front and back cameras at the same time. Yeah, so it takes a picture of what you're... Whatever your whatever's in your in your view, yes, your face, and then whatever's in front of you, so you can't hide any mess. No, not easily, at least. Robin on our team uh, this morning, uh, I think he was in the shower. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to see that. Yeah, I mean, it was tasteful and it was you know hidden, but yeah, I think he's getting too artsy. <laughs> and why is he? Why is his phone in the shower? It's waterproof. I don't know. It's just getting weird. But anyway. Aside from weirdo Robin, uh, it's been kind of fun seeing what you know your friends are doing. During the day. Well, it, that's because it's random too. Like yeah. You don't know what time. Like this morning, it came on when I was still in bed. Yeah. So I, I was late this morning. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's super fun though. Yeah. Robin, he's either in the shower or he's in bed. Pretty much. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Even like at I, four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I think I need to tell him to get some help. You could use Alexa for that. I can use, <laughs> I can use Alexa for that. want to thank everyone that helps put the show together, John, and yes, Robin as well. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.